Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve as the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church. And with me, usually as always, I know I wasn't here last week, but uh, but I've got Pastor Paul on my right and Pastor Eric on my left. Great to have you guys back for another another episode. It's good to be here, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, I met two people on Sunday. I was at the South Jordan campus. Uh, if you're listening to this, thanks for, for giving us the feedback of how much you enjoyed the podcast. So yeah. people uh, are really enjoying theme by theme on Sundays, verse by verse on Wednesdays or throughout the week. And so uh, to those of you who are listening, thank you. Yeah, it's a good reminder, I guess, you know, if those people, one, giving you feedback in person is always nice, especially when it's encouragement yeah. that they like <laughs> it. Uh, but go ahead and leave us a review on uh, the podcast platform that you're listening to. That helps us and makes visibility better when people are searching for this. So if you haven't done that yet, do us a favor. Thank you in advance for that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're in Corinthians, if you haven't listened already, uh, going a little bit more in depth than we were able to do always on Sundays. We've got more time on this. So we're, if I'm not mistaken, we're on chapter four now. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, up to chapter four. Uh, on Sundays, we're up to chapter 15. So we're, we're <laughs> well behind. And that's okay. We'll take our time getting to the end of the book. Right. Chapter four, which is really the, uh, the closing of the first major section. And mm. so just to remind everybody, Paul's dealing with the common thinking in Corinth uh, versus gospel thinking, and it's really flushing itself out in how you view your leaders and how you view yourself. And so he's going to he's gonna take them to the woodshed a little bit. Do people still say that? I think... I mean, no. People, can you say people that? know it. Can there. you still say that? I don't think you can say that. <laughs> One of the interesting things about this, the, in this chapter, there's a whole section that was 100% sarcasm. It's and, amazing. And, and if you don't know that... You're all messed up in reading, and this right. is the help I hope that we can bring to people. As you read your Bible, you have to recognize sometimes figures of speech are used, sarcasm, whatever, mm. hyperbole, whatever it might be. And if you don't get that, you're all messed up in the way he's, you interpret He's almost going to make fun of them. Like yes. that, like sarcasm gets into making fun. And one author in a commentary I was reading says, he's literally making fun of them. Yeah. And uh, that's interesting to me. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like, well, is that okay for yeah. a pastor? <laughs> but, uh, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> sarcasm works sometimes. We'll get to that section though. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't I go ahead and read from the New International Version? Um, I can read through verse five if you guys want or what yeah, section? Yeah, that works. Okay. Excellent. So verses 1 through 5 starts with, This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent." It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Yeah, I've really, over the years, um, appreciated what Tim Keller wrote in his little booklet called 
um, what is it called? The beauty of self-forgetfulness. The freedom. The freedom. The freedom of self-forgetfulness. And it comes from this passage. And so uh, if we're going to break this down, first of all, we need to recognize that we, in, in a sense, anybody who understands the gospel has been given a trust, mm. and it's up to us to be faithful with that trust. So that, that applies to everybody. But in this case, before the Bible was written, as the Apostle Paul is actually a writer of Scripture, he's been given these mysteries to write right. down. So mm. Yeah, he's an apostle. Yeah, and uh, this the, in the NIV, the heading here is the nature of true apostleship. Sometimes the headings in in our Bibles are helpful. Sometimes they're not. I think this one's get you in the right direction. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I, I want to just pause here and talk about what it means to be a pastor a little bit, guys. Mm-hmm. Has, have you ever been getting your hair cut or you're somewhere and someone says, "What do you do?" And you say, yep. I'm a pastor, and they look at you like cross-eyed. Like that happens mm-hmm. in Utah all yeah, the time. All There's the time. not a, an awareness of of what it means to be a pastor. I. Can I tell you how many times I've been called a pasture before? Yeah, pasture, yeah. I'm like, what? You think people are just grazing all over me? Like, what, what is that, you know? Uh, yeah. But the Apostle Paul is once again reminding them why he leads the way that he leads. And, um, you know, I think he's really trying to, to speak to an issue. I think the leaders in Corinth were aligning themselves with certain groups of people in the church in Corinth, getting paid by certain groups of people in the church in Corinth. And so it was like, yeah, he works for me. My pastor works for me. You know, I think there was some of that going on. And the Apostle Paul is going out of his way to say, I work for God. That's who I actually, Mm. you know, I serve him. He judges me. He knows why I'm leading the way that I'm leading. Mm. And my conscience is clear. But you know what? That doesn't even matter because God's going to bring this all to light. And so I think he's going out of his way to describe why he leads the way that he leads um, and why he serves like he does. And I think. I think there's some instruction here for pastors today. Oh, I think so. Yeah, it, 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 it's so important as a pastor that you understand who you work for. You work for God. <laughs> That's so important. Now it feels like you work for the people sometimes, or work for the elder board, or whatever. But I think one of the real occupational hazards of being a pastor is we analyze how we're doing yeah. way too much. Mm. And and the fact is, what the apostle Paul is saying here is. Let's just get real, guys. We don't know why we do what we do. Our motives are never pure. They're mixed motives. In fact, if you want to judge me, go ahead. I just realize that I'm going to give it my best shot, do the best I can, understanding that God's going to sort this whole thing out at the end. All I'm going to do is try to be faithful to this trust. That's what I need to do. There's a, there's some dangers to being a pastor, you know. Confessions of a pastor moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you live for the applause of people, and you are also a pastor, and you have wounds from the past, perhaps daddy wounds, mm. and you put yeah. all that together, it is a very dangerous occupation to be a pastor. Right. It really, really is. And um, I think what the apostle Paul here is is uh, giving us, he's showing us where his identity comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think for all pastors, I want their identity to be fixed in the gospel. That's what we want, because otherwise it's unhealthy. Yeah, that's what Keller's getting at. It's self-forgetfulness. For, forget how you analyze yourself or how others analyze you. Just mm. it's, and, and of course, there's another good book written uh, by Oz Guinness called... Uh, uh, audience of One, uh-huh. and and it's this idea that, man, this is a fool's errand trying to figure out how we're doing. Yeah, mm. and and just offer your offer your ministry as a gift to the Lord and a gift to the people, and let the chips fall. 
basically. Yeah, part of the reason why the Apostle Paul didn't take payment from the Corinthians is because he didn't want to be seen as someone who was aligning himself with the, with a certain crowd, right. because oh. it would actually hinder his trust and ability to be an influential leader. Gotcha. And, uh, and, and believe me, I've met a lot of pastors, felt this temptation myself. If I keep those four families happy, mm-hmm. oh, our church will be good. At least they'll <laughs> be happy, and, and they'll keep giving. And so, yeah, right. But when a pastor starts to live inside of that world, Say goodbye to the mission, perhaps. Say goodbye to the culture you're trying to create, because really you're, you're catering to people. And the Apostle Paul was not going to cater to the certain people in Corinth who wanted him to lead a certain way. Hmm. And so that's what this section is about. Now, there's two things I want to mention, Paul. You were talking about books that talk about identity. The book that got... And you guys know identity is a big deal around here at SMCC. The book that got me down the road into my identity in such a helpful way was The Search for Significance. Paul, you recommended that to me Absolutely. a long time ago. Robert S. McGee. I want everybody to read that book. There's like a workbook section, too, mm-hmm. at the end of each chapter. The Search for Significance. Robert S. McGee. Look it up. The other thing that I think is important um, with this section is... What does it mean to be an apostle? We live in a state where there's modern-day apostles, and people, charismatic churches talk about that. Mm-hmm. Paul, what's your, what's your filter for how to evaluate that for yeah. people today who are confused? Well, te- the technical definition of an apostle is a sent one. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be a missionary, mm. but the capital A apostle needed to actually see Christ before and 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 recognize mm. Christ as who he was before his death burial and resurrection and actually see Christ after yep. his resurrection. Mm. And so the, the apostle Paul often talks about himself as a special apostle or an apostle in a special way in that Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus, right. not right. the way that God Christ appeared to the other 11 uh-huh. at that right, point. Right. So this is important because apostles speak for God. Right. They are given that honor, and they were they were also gifted with signs, miracles, and wonders to support the notion that they were speaking for God, basically uh, to uh, verify right. or validate their words. They were also given these sign gifts. Perfect. Hmm. That's a great... Uh, way to think through this. And if you notice, in if you're a church history type of person, you, you understand that uh, the Roman Catholic Church often talks about the Pope as their apostle, and therefore the po- Pope can speak ex cathedra, that means for the Lord, mm. outside the Bible. So new truth is given by the Pope, and also for years and years and years, they've kind of left left this behind, but forever they claimed miracles by the Pope. They would try Uh, to attach a miracle that the Pope did so that he would have that apostolic authority. Same thing true with the LDS Church. Yep. And they've kind of left that now. It's just kind of interesting how that's how it launched this kind of apostolic authority. It needed to be connected to a miracle, and then all these movements kind of move past that. Yeah, mm, interesting. I've got a you know a little bit of a question here. It's it's interesting. Um, so, particular in verse four, I've seen people. Uh, if you want to talk about using one verse just for your own uh, uh, benefit, uh, I've seen people either quote this verse. I've even seen people get it like tattooed sometimes, like. Uh, yeah, it's the Lord who judges me. Like nobody, yeah. no, nobody else, you know, can judge me because uh, it says, you know, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one of uh, Eric or Paul, give me some context to that for somebody who won't, 
there's probably people who like know that verse because they they want to use it as a way of saying hey hey you can't judge me man only the lord judges me paul well, said that <laughs> it's very interesting because in the very next chapter the apostle paul judges the man sleeping with his stepmom, all right? So yeah. there's there's judgment inside of the local church, and he makes that point. You have to judge inside the local church. Every word has a range of meaning, and mm. I think it's really important to remember, judge can mean multiple things, and we, we know which meaning to go with when it comes to words because of context, right? right? So mm-hmm. if I told you today I'm feeling like that was sick, you know, mm-hmm. I, I often use this as an illustration of this, it's like, okay, what's the context? Somebody did a sweet trick on their... Uh, skateboard, skateboard or yeah. someone have a fever. That's how you know. Context tells you which which we yeah. need to go with. And context here in four, chapter four is uh, an evaluation. God's the one who evaluates my leadership, not you. And it's also mm. motives. Yeah, leadership and motives. That's mm. really really important. So uh, God, of course, is the one who evaluates my motives, and He's the one audience of one, like you just talked about. Yeah. That matters. But in the local church, you have to make judgments about certain situations. And so we don't expect Christians, uh, non-Christians to act like Christians. That's a really mm-hmm. important part of this. So yeah. judgment outside the church, that is different than judgment inside the church. So I think as a general rule of thumb, we as pastors, we should never judge someone's motives. Um, and, and therefore, we're only looking at their behavior and we're giving them the benefit of the doubt in regards to motive. Yep. I, I think that's it's the only way to operate. Yeah. Instead of saying, I think they had bad motives. No, you, you just can't go there. And I think that's what this is saying to us. Yeah. So I think when people get that tattooed, only God can judge me, you just need more context. Yeah. What type of judgment are you talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, and he will. Because <laughs> I'm ju- I, typically they're really bad tattoos. So I'm, I'm yeah. judging the work of your tattoo artist because that's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no regrets. <laughs> all right. Well, let's continue moving on. Do you guys want me to go through all the way through 13 or. Just do six through and seven real quick, because I want to set up the irony section that's coming in eight. Yeah, so here we go, verse six and seven. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of of uh, one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? If you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? I love this section. Who do you think you are? Mm. That's kind of the uh, the modern day translation. He's getting to that, and that's going to lead into the irony. Um, but there's a couple things here. Do not go beyond what was written. That's an interesting uh, line. Is yeah. it, was that uh, from a sermon? Was that what what was happening there? Yeah, it, it's got to be that those. Uh, people who were comparing themselves to the Apostle Paul, trying to get a kind of a following within the church in Corinth. Uh, they were the super apostles. Uh, they were going beyond Scripture. That's right. And it's and the, the Apostle Paul is quoting from the Old Testament here about uh, do not go beyond what is written. And that is such an important thing because you can get a following by saying things like, the Lord spoke to me, and yeah. He told me this. And I think that um, the Apostle Paul is so careful here to say, look, if you go beyond the Scripture, it's going to puff some people up. They're going to become arrogant, like they know something that you don't know, you know, like special knowledge. That's a Gnostic concept. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, this is never a good idea, because if you add 
law, basically, or add commands, pretty soon sin looks really good. And I, and this is, I think this is so important that we get this, that if we only stick with scripture, then there's plenty of opportunity for joy and freedom and fun and it, all this. But man, as soon as you make it more difficult than it needs to be, yeah. Christianity, mm. sin has a special appeal and it can actually backfire big time. Yep. Hmm. So it seems the Corinthians were going beyond what was written in their expectations of Paul and, of course, also in their faith. And so he's trying to say, guys, it's, it's simple. Uh, we're here to serve. Do not go beyond what is written. There's always an audience for legalists, okay, so for Pharisees, yeah. because the more rules, the more opportunity for you to become puffed up, see how good I am. Mm. And there's always a temptation to compare my goodness with your goodness, and that's what was happening in the church. And that's how super apostles or these false apostles could get a following, because they could compare their righteousness with yeah. the... And they do it by adding rules. Right. Yep. So Paul's saying, stop it with the rules, you guys. Yeah. Don't go beyond what's yeah. written. That rule's don't. not written. So yeah, don't absolutely. don't leverage it. And so the, the transition point here is he's saying, uh, you, if you do this, it's easy to be puffed up. And by the way, who do you think you are? You know, mm-hmm. so you're, you're all puffed up thinking you're very high and mighty as people. And then he asked the question, and this is such a wonderful question. What do you have that you did not receive? <laughs> that is a mm. great question. Everything you have in your life is a gift from God. Mm. And, it, and it helps us understand how to start our day every yep. day. God, thank you for another day. It's a gift from you. My, my purpose today is to glorify you and everything I say and do. Use me for your purposes. Man, mm. that is a great prayer every yep. day. That's mm. right. And so they are boasting as if they earned it, and it just doesn't make any sense. So here comes right. the sarcasm question, the irony question, uh, yeah. as he rolls through all this. Um, or irony section, excuse me. Yeah. So verse 8. So verse 8 through 13. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty, we are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment." So I think the Apostle Paul is painting a word picture here. So picture picture this with me. There's a procession, and all the super apostles are in the front, and they're dressed nicely. Uh, There's a lot of pomp and circumstances. Uh, They're being uh, cheered. Uh, Oh, you're amazing. You're fantastic. And Paul and Apollos and the others are at the back, and they're getting beat. They're getting persecuted. They're getting ridiculed. They're they're actually considered scum of the earth. Hmm. Like the guys in the front are exalted, and they're not. They are treated completely opposite. And and so he's just having a fun time with sarcasm, irony, uh, and, and... 
trying to paint a picture for these people like, oh, so this is the way it's supposed to be, huh? Hmm. Yeah, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the in ancient centuries, uh, when people would come back for more, the captives of war would be at the back of the line, right? Headed right. to the arena to fight it out, you know, yep. to, the, to the death. And so he's painting that picture. The conquerors would be in the front, yeah. <clears throat> That's right. Mm, the heroes. So, so verse, verse 8, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign. He's saying... You think that's happened. That's how you see yourself, but you're not that. You're mm-hmm. not that. And uh, mm-hmm. and so that's where the irony comes in. And without us, how I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we might also reign with you. Um, so he's just saying, look, you guys think you've arrived. You think you haven't made. You think you have all of this. You're rich. You're special. You're successful. Really? And you're getting the praise from the people. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's just he's being so sarcastic. Is this what it's all about? You think you've arrived. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Paul, have you ever thought... To yourself as a pastor, uh, there are times I wish I could say what I want to say, but I can't say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you people make me sick. You know, that's kind of what he's saying. I think this is like the confessions of preacher preachers right now. Mm. Three of us are right here. If there was a thought bubble over our head <laughs> while we're preaching and what's in our minds like, oh, there's that person. We're actually recognizing different people in the audience oh, yeah. while we're speaking. Yeah. It's amazing how your brain can work yes. and you're thinking to yourself, I probably should, I want to say that, but I probably shouldn't. Yeah. You're having a yes. debate while you're preaching. Yeah. Or yeah. if I say this, will they think I said it about them when I'm not trying to, I know, but I know, I know they think that? I'm backing yes. off that illustration <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. Yep. yep. <laughs> oh gosh, this is going to be awkward. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, that 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 happens, you know. And um, gosh, it's uh, you know we we've talked about the whole deep thing at SMCC for a while, and I understand where people are coming from. But sometimes I just want to say, really, you think you're so deep in Christ? You think you're so mature in Christ? You know, really? And like, and I won't say that. And um, you know, I want to be kind and gracious, but it seems like the Apostle Paul just he just went there with him. Yeah. Good for him. Gloves are off. Good for him. Now, there's a very well, in a sense, it has to be that way. And 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 there's uh, two documentaries that have been done, um, and I'm going to whiff on the titles, but uh, they were, in fact, Alyssa Childers yeah. is in uh, one of them. Uh, American like Gospel? American Gospel, yeah. part one and part two. Oh, yeah. And in a sense, the gloves came off in that, and, and it was, in a sense, refreshing. Uh, it was gutsy but needed to be said. Mm. And so you have the nephew of Benny Hinn. Costy Hinn. Costy Hinn, just telling the truth. Right. Telling the story of being in a, what, $5,000 a night hotel room on the Aegean Sea and just looking out there and saying, the Apostle Paul used to be sailing out here, you know, poor, just what he's described, you know, Mm. persecuted, poor, all these kind of things. And I'm sitting in a five thousand dollar a night hotel room. Something's wrong here. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, sometimes it's just good to say it. Right, mm. right. Now I want to. What's going to happen next in verse fourteen is he really softens up, and I, we're going to mm. see that, which is so cool. You see both of these things at the same time. But before we get there, I think it's interesting to consider uh, the victim card. Okay, we know mm. what the victim card is in our culture. Playing the victim card is to really. You know, have this approach, and, and and I'm not saying there aren't true victims. People are victimized. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm talking so. about. I'm talking about leveraging that because of the uh, the results, the things that you get when you leverage the victim card. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul is not playing the victim card, and and this is what I think is so fascinating because the victim card didn't exist in the first century. Mm-hmm. Christianity 
gave dignity and honor to a victim in a way that could then be misused as the victim card, okay? Christianity created a world in which people at the bottom uh, have value and honor and dignity, okay? Mm. That is an interesting thing inside of Christian culture. Christianity has offered that to the world. So we live in a culture that assumes victims matter, and that's why the victim card even exists, because we live in the shadow of Christ crucified, whether we recognize it or not. That's part of what we're saying in this series, is that the Apostle Paul is revolutionary in this letter, but for us 2,000 years later, it has so impacted our world that we have lost sight of how revolutionary it was. And so I think... It's very interesting. When you think of the victim card, and and I've probably played it in my life. I know I have. We see it on social media, people playing the victim. Christianity has made that possible in the way that it's honored, loved, and supported those who have been victimized. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's an interesting discussion. And I just wanted to make that point before we press on to the next session. section. If if there's no Christian uh, concern, empathy, charity... Uh, if there's no sense, like Christianity revolutionized the world uh, of the of the Roman, you know, whatever, you know, the Roman Empire at yeah. that time, it was one hundred percent dog eat dog. Yeah, and for the first time, Christianity Christianity comes along and says, you know. It matters that we show mercy to yeah. people and, mm. and care for people that can't care for themselves. And so, of course, the orphanages, hospitals, right. and all these kind of things spring out of Christianity right. that never existed before. Right. I am just a big fan of helping people see and helping myself see where Christian thought has impacted me and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Right. I just yeah. thought it was an American thing or a West Coast thing or yeah. this is just uh, a, you know obvious. It's not... Christianity offered that to the world. You take Christianity out of the world, all the people who claim to be victims now, it would be an echo chamber. Right. Nobody cares. No one cares. <laughs> oh, we purposely push you down so that I can go, I can rise yeah. to the top. Yeah. That was the world that Paul lived in. So he's not saying, woe is me, you should feel bad for me because we're crushed. We're pre-. He has, that is not in his mind at all. No. Mm. So anyways, verse 14 though, he backs off of the sarcasm and says, I'm not trying to shame you. So let's mm. read that part okay. out. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you, to, uh, sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So I just love that you get this sarcastic tone to make a point, and then he really backs off of it and, and becomes really like a like a father. He's saying, yeah. you're, you're my children, I love you, um, and I care about you. Um, guys, remember, it was me that helped you trust Christ. You know, that's sort mm. of the father mentality there. And so I, I just am so... It's just so cool that you see both. And then, you know, their maturity, their discipleship, uh, it happens through people. I mean, how are they supposed to imitate Paul when he's miles and miles away? That's really hard. Well, he's going to send Timothy to disciple them face to face. This and is the Timothy where we see First and Second Timothy later on. Yeah, it's his son in the faith. It's not literally his right. son. And it's not arrogant to say, imitate me. I, I think every single Christian should want to live their life in such a way that they can say that to someone. Like, hey, just do what I do, or think like I think. 
It, it will really help you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a strong challenge to parents listening, I think. If oh, yeah. my kids grew up to follow Jesus like I do, would I be pleased with that? Oof. Ooh. That's a that's a punchy question right there. And um I think it's okay to let those hard questions hit us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um imitate me as I uh as I imitate Christ, as I follow Christ, you know, just let that sink in. I I hope people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Verse 18, let's go on to that. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? (laughs) I love that. I love that. I think there have been times in my life where I knew a hard conversation was coming, and I didn't know how that conversation would go until the person would respond. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think about it with my kids sometimes. I know hard conversations coming. Um, just wait till dad gets home. You know, that's part of, <laughs> that's part of my life on a regular basis. And uh, the attitude of my kids will determine if it's a gentle spirit or a discipline. And uh, Paul's saying, we'll see. We'll see what, what, I, what it will take for me to, to correct you. Yeah, I, I took the time to look up the use of the word power here, and what most commentators say, it is not a power encounter like, my God's bigger than your God type yeah. of thing. This is the power of a changed life. Mm-hmm. So the kingdom of God uh, is is not a matter of talk, but of power, the power of a changed life. The gospel changes lives. How do you argue with that, is right. what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. a great point. So anyways, he's remember guys, he's he's writing this to them. Someone's taking the letter to them. He's not going to be there in spirit. He's sending Timothy to represent him as a leader. Uh, and he's saying, I'm going to leave you with two questions. I, uh, we just left people with, the, with two questions at the end of the sermon uh, on Sunday. There's a strategy with that. We want to invite people to evaluate their own life and to consider the gospel and then decide to change as they pursue Jesus. We are not making people do anything. And I think that Apostle Paul sort of models that here with his two questions. Mm -hmm. You know, guys, this is kind of up to you. Mm -hmm. You know, here are two questions. Gentle spirit, uh, discipline, uh, the rod of discipline. (laughs) You know, do I need to be (laughs) tough or soft here? And uh, he leaves them with a question so that they can consider that. Excellent. Uh, one, one, one last thing, it just hit me, and, and Eric, you said that uh, we take for granted so many things. Arrogance was not a problem in that world. It was, only an, it was only a problem in the church. In other words, people were arrogant all the time, but it, but it does not reflect the character of Jesus Christ. So in the church, it's wrong. Right. And, and we think, oh, we hate arrogant people. That wasn't true back then, right? Generally speaking, totally. And yeah. so, Paul, when you put yourself into the the shoes of of those people, the scripture comes to life. First Corinthians comes to life when you mm-hmm. see how powerful, how profound uh, it was. So, I hope uh, at our church, as you listen to this, listeners, that it gets you're excited by seeing how uh, radical, how cool, how powerful the Word of God is um, in shaping culture. Mm. So, there yeah. it is. That's the end of chapter four, Adam. Uh, awesome. I love it. And uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank our listeners uh, for, for listening to us. So appreciate it. And the feedback you give us is always is always appreciated as well. And just a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to podcasts regularly, I want to remind you that we do have an SMCC Messages podcast. So you can keep our, 
our uh, weekly messages in your podcast feed as well. And you can find uh, the link to that um, if, if, if you would like. That's at smccutah.org slash podcast. Or you can just search for SMCC messages in your podcast app as well. Uh, we'll see you here again next week as we continue on in chapter five. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.